Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here comes a lightning bolt. Charger fans are witnesses to history. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go. How's it going? First after hours, Jamie isn't here by, uh, just so you know, it's Craig and I here filling in. Uh, Jamie's out vacation right now, so he's enjoying himself. We're here. We watched a preseason game, which was actually kind of fun. Boy, <laughs> um, that caught me off guard. Uh, yeah. Trying to stay as tempered about this as possible because, I mean, we know the Rams aren't great, but also we're not really accustomed to seeing Chargers backups perform to this level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and all three phases, uh, lots of highlights. Um, we're going to get to all that, but, um, for you guys that just joined us, some of you might be here for this. Some of you might not, but, um, yesterday, uh, we announced our new lightning round schedule. Uh, we've got a brand new schedule going into 2023 and we said, we're going to broadcast it live here on after hours, right after the game. So for you guys, and let me cue this thing up. We've got a video right before we get to our. Uh, breakdown of this show. Um, Jamie, Craig, and I have been working on this for months, it feels like, since before draft season. Um, we've been, our goal has been to get more content out. Uh, doing after hours is fun, it's great, but we have been trying to figure out a way where we can get more content to you in the best way possible without stretching us too thin. If Jamie, Craig, and I came on here seven days a week, did the same thing over and over. You get very dry, you get bland, and ultimately it watered down this show, which we never wanted to do. So we think we came up with a pretty neat uh, concept for this 2023 season. Uh, we are moving to five shows a week this season. So with that, let me go ahead and play you this lightning round podcast promo video. We'll take all your questions and everything right after this. This is the Lightning Round Podcast schedule release for the upcoming 2023 season. Score More is back. I'm coming at you every Tuesday. I'm going to be covering what happened in the NFL the week prior, including the Chargers matchup, and a whole lot more on top of that. I'll see you on Tuesday, Score Morons. 
Join me and a special guest every Wednesday as we break down the schemes, players, and the coaches the Chargers will be facing that week. I'll see you right here every Wednesday for the walkthrough. Garrett, Craig, and I will get together every Thursday for the TLR Roundtable. We'll answer all your questions from the week, football or otherwise. Everything is on the table. And we'll have a brand new feature covering all the bad tweets from the week. Join us live every Thursday for TLR Roundtable. Every Friday, join me where I'll be dropping my personal thoughts, feelings, and opinions on any and everything LA Chargers. So you'll get some speculation, a bit of conjecture, dry humor, naturally, and a sprinkle of petty for flavor. Tap in. See you then. Join Craig, Jamie, and I live for After Hours immediately following every Chargers game. You know the drill. Grab your favorite drink, find a safe space, and join us for a raw, unfiltered, emotional take on every game. And whether you need to laugh, cheer, cry, just clear your head. After Hours has a little something for everyone, so be sure to join us right here after every game this year. There we go. New schedule. So, Tuesdays. I'm by myself. I'm back doing score more uh for you the for those of you that didn't know. Um I I did a podcast uh for um Bulls from the Blue a while ago where I did my own solo show. I'm back doing my own solo show doing score more. Um last time it was covering the games coming up. Uh what I'm going to be doing now is going in depth on the games that just happened and then also my mix of all the buffoonery I can possibly come up with in those shows. Probably talk about NFL in general of that past week. Those are going to be on Tuesdays. Wednesdays, Jamie's going to do a preview show. He's going to bring on guests uh, and talk about the Chargers upcoming opponent. Um, That's called the walkthrough with Jamie Hoyle. You're going to get that every Tuesday. Every Thursday, we've got the TLR roundtable, which is me, Craig, and Jamie. We are going to be taking all your questions and we are going to feature the worst tweets from the week. We're going to pull all the terrible takes from the past week. We're all going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to have some fun with it. And uh, that should be a fun, freeform little show there on Thursday. Friday, you guys are watching. I got five on it with Craig. He's going to be there every Friday. He's going to bring you that show. And then after hours like this will be after every live game. So basically... We're going to join together, the three of us, for a TLR roundtable, which is basically a mailbag show with some bad tweets. You'll get after hours with the three of us after each show, and then we're each doing a solo pod. I'm doing score more on Tuesdays. Jamie's going the walkthrough on Wednesdays. Craig's doing I Got Five on it on Fridays. So much more content. We're going to split it up five days a week. And obviously the uh, schedule will kind of be flexible if there's Thursday games or Saturday games or Monday night games, that's all going to be shifted around. But when the season starts, that's your schedule. Basically you will see us every time, basically almost every day this week. So uh, thank you so much uh, for helping us do this. You know, we're on a new network and uh, we're thinking of our best way of kind of separating ourselves and bringing you more content and this is our way. Uh, Craig, I'm glad you're here. And we are um, going to have some fun this season for sure. Absolutely, man. Like I told you guys before, so happy to be aboard. It's kind of a full circle thing for me, being a fan of Lightning Round for so many years. And um, it's just kind of surreal having it become a situation where I can be a part of it. So, again, to you and Jamie and to everybody else out there, thank you so much for having me along for the ride. And to Glenn Gordo, that is exactly right. Um, anybody that listens to Score More, uh, that you are uh, referred to as Score Morons, I said it on the video. So I gave you guys a shout out. Of course, it'll be um, it'll be Score Morons. Stebs, um, the so it'll be live for the roundtable on Thursdays. It'll be live for After Hours. Uh, my show, Jamie's show, and Craig's show will be pre-recorded. So you'll get two live and three pre-recorded for the solo pods. So there you go. All right. Now, thank you guys for watching and thank you for tuning in. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to do this. There's going to be a lot of content. Make sure you subscribe here on YouTube uh, to the podcast. You're going to be getting it all. So, Craig, uh, let's start off with um, 
I mean, the rookies, really. Let's let's start off with Quentin Johnston and his kind of performance today. A little bit, some down, some up. Let's let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And we're frozen. Uh oh, man, we had oh, we good? Back, Greg? Yeah, I'm here. Can okay, okay, me? yeah, yeah. Start it all all over. Go ahead. Okay, cool. So saying we saw a little bit of everything from him today. Um, the good, the bad, the in between. Uh, we saw the drops that a lot of people didn't really want to admit were still there. I thought he was beyond, and we've just kind of been saying it for a while now. It's something that was a sticking point in his college career. We hope that he'd improve it. He still has time to get those hands situated and better, but they stood out a little bit tonight. I was happy to see him work his way through it. Got a nice little touchdown there at the end of uh, the two-minute drill going into halftime uh, on a little bit of a skinny post there uh, from Stick. So you saw him get beyond the drops and come up with a big play to put points on the board before the half, which is always important. So, uh, you know, you have to be happy with the fact that he didn't get down on himself. He was able to move past it and still uh, produce. Yeah, and you you touched on exactly what I was going to uh, touch on is that, yeah, I mean – the the first drop on the third down was bad. It was right at the sticks. Would have been probably would have been a first down. That was bad. That deep ball by Easton Stick. He put it right in the bread basket, yeah. and it was just a just a bad bad drop. And so, I think a lot of people are probably going to be focusing on that stuff. But when you really look at it, to come back and he ran, he ran a nice little route to get right behind the linebacker yeah. inside of the corner. Good throw from Easton Stick. Nice touchdown. Kind of capped it off. Put that little ex exclamation point. And then he got taken out. It was the perfect way to end that game for him in that, you know, he had his issues. He The first play from scrimmage, that two-yard loss, <clears throat> didn't help him. Then two more drops. And then you think the rookie's going to get down on himself. But first time in in-game action, uh, it's it's the preseason, but still, you know, there's probably some nerves. You might want to call it concentration drops. Um, what we won't do, by the way, is compare it to Jamar Chase's whole drop situation his rookie year. We're, we're not doing that. But, um, you know, he had two drops, which was fine, but then capped it off with a touchdown, um, had some catches in between. But, yeah, we saw some bad, but he was able to bounce back, and I think that's kind of the most important part uh, here because he really was a, ran a nice little route and caught a touchdown, and it was, it was a beautiful play. Yeah, I mean, you get to see a little bit of how they plan on utilizing him. I mean, that first drive, and I hate NFL Network for this, but I missed the first two plays, but I did see what happened on third down, and he kind of got bodied by um, Hodgins Tomlinson, which is not an ideal situation when you're six foot three and he's five foot eight. Um, you can't let somebody that small out physical you at the catch point. But um, them throwing him in the slot there. And um, having him move around so he's not just going to be a wide receiver that's utilized on the outside. They're going to mix and match him. I can only imagine what that's going to look like when he's in there with uh, Mike and Keenan and Palmer. Uh, there's going to be some magic they think that they can create in the passing game. So I'm very, very excited for that. Yeah. Um, and then moving on uh, to the other rookie wide receiver, Darius Davis. Um, yeah. Man. God, man. Um, you – I don't, I don't know about you, Craig, but when he caught that punt, it was almost like he caught it, looked around, kind of did a little stutter, and then, man, turn on the Jets. It was almost like they gave him too big of a cushion, and it, it was it was exactly why they drafted him. It was the speed, um, the unreal uh, confidence as a returner, because he's been talking about how he's going to be trying to take it to the house every single time, and he's, he's that's his goal now. Um he was, we talked about on the draft show, he was by far the best returner in the class, which was why he was drafted so high. A lot of people thought a fourth round pick was a little bit too high for kind of a gadget guy, even in college, but man, they just gave him too much space. And also uh, kind of flying on the radar because, you know, obviously a punt return touchdown is huge, but there's one play before halftime where he caught a ball and took it for, I think it was like 13 yards, cut right in front of the sticks, got a first down. I mean, that speed, I mean, you saw it translate today. And, uh, it, yeah, the, the play on the first down was beautiful to cut in the sticks, get that first down and get out of bounds. And then that, that kick return touchdown, man. I mean, early on it felt like it kind of looked like he might be able to uh, to cut cut one. He, he put a little excitement together. But when he did, man, that was crazy. 
everything looks like it's moving in slow motion for him. That's what stood out to me the most. And I somewhat feel vindicated here, of course, because this is another Jet Award winner, a la Joe Reed, who is withering away in Chicago right now. And mm -hmm. I had high hopes for, but you know, that ended up being something that did not work out for the Chargers. So ironically enough, we have Darius now, who also sports number 12, fellow Jet Award winner, who looks like he's going to get all the opportunity in the world to make a difference on uh, special teams in the third phase of the game. Man, it's it's almost sort of unreal. So, like, the patience to let the blocking set up in front of him, the agility plus the vision to make a man miss, um, acceleration through pursuit, and then the elite top speed to finish the job. Uh, when was the last time the Chargers had a returner like this? Like, is Tim Dwight it? Or, I mean, I guess you could say Darren Sproles? Yeah. Similarly, but I mean, every once in a while they stumble upon one of these guys and it looks like they have another one. And if he can contribute on offense, that's just the icing on the cake. Um, he showed that he can be a wide receiver and make contested catches. I think the second, I can't remember whether it was the first or second catch, he caught it and the DB closed on him really, really quickly. He was able to hold on to the ball. I think it was the second one because he got out of bounds on the first one. Mm -hmm. The second one, the DB was able to close on him. It looked like stick through it a little late, but he was able to maintain possession and keep the drive going so uh when you have someone this electric on special teams it's like i said before when we were kind of covering um the draft picks and talking about some of our favorite players my biggest thing is what he can create for the offense um he's going to give you shorter fields which allows you to be a little bit more creative in your play calling you don't have as much stress on your quarterback to try to have to make it happen you can utilize that run game a little bit more you can be a bit more balanced and you can get some cheap points like we saw tonight and i mean you're talking about flipping a game on its head that's what happens when you have that type of player create that sort of momentum for your team so uh everybody that was kind of really uh not all that happy about that fourth round selection initially you might feel a little bit differently now because he's a starter he's just a starter in the third phase of the game and he's a huge difference maker in that way yeah i mean that game chargers had kind of stalled at two points on that those first early drives um they punted on the first drive but then they had back-to-back -back field goals it was still like a one score game and then you get a punt return touchdown like this and it just kind of broke it open and then the Rams like just couldn't breathe after that. It was like as soon as Darius Davis broke that open, the whole game changed. Because yeah. then you saw Easton Stick get a little bit more confidence, which we can talk about here now. Um, he went down and had an absolutely beautiful two-minute drive, seventy-five yards. Had that touchdown to Quentin Johnston. I, I was really, really impressed with Easton Stick today. Um, he's been a butt of a lot of jokes here on the podcast, which I think has been de deservingly so because he's never really put anything together. But today, this looked like a NFL caliber backup quarterback, um, something we really just haven't seen. When we, when he's been in the preseason, he's been that kind of run-first quarterback, um, had a little magic in a fourth quarter where he's able to tuck the ball and run. He's had those kind of uh, games. But a lot of the throws that he was making in the preseason, they were not on target. Yeah. We weren't able to really get a good look at any of the wide receivers heading into this year because these backup quarterbacks between Chase Daniel and Mike Bercovici and Easton Stick and all these other guys, you just you, they couldn't hit their target. And today, Easton Stick looked like a starter. He was by far, in my mind, the best quarterback on the field today on either side that played. He was excellent in a two-minute drill. Um, a couple of drives stalled, but, I mean, we talked about it. He had a beautiful pass to Quentin Johnston down the sideline that QJ dropped, a first down that QJ dropped, um, just some unfortunate drops from the offense, was able to get some uh, nice drives going, uh, wasn't able to punch it in early on, but then two-minute drill, drove it down beautifully, uh, scored a touchdown, and it just, I mean, he was magical today. He was really, really good. He had 109 yards, it was 14-21 today, had that touchdown. It was it was a great cap off for not only Quentin Johnston, but Easton Stick today to end that half with a touchdown and then uh, hand it over to Max Duggan after that. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, what he showed was a pretty substantial growth as a quarterback. He oh, yeah. looked like a real NFL quarterback. And what's hilarious about this is you look at him and practice and the reps that he's taken there and nothing stood out all that much there. Mm -hmm. And he just walks into this game super poised. Um, I mean, he managed the hell out of that two minute situation. 
And I know it's something that they're putting an emphasis on because they're talking about the middle eights, um, you know, the end of halves and the beginnings. So you can tell the work's been being put in there and he's better for it. I don't know if it's the change in the scheme and he's grasping it better, but he just looks confident. Not one time out there did he seem like the, the moment was too big for him. And I mean, I know most people are saying it's his third year or what, where are we in year three or four stick? I can't remember four. four somewhere around there. You know, he's an NFL quarterback, whether he plays a ton or not, then, I mean, you know, it shouldn't matter. He should be adjusted by now, but we're talking about just, and I know it's just one game, but it's a complete night and day difference from what we've seen in the previous three or four years, just in this one performance. Um, it actually makes me look forward to see how he carries through the rest of the preseason. You don't that that guy that you saw out there tonight, if he has to take a few snaps, you feel okay with that. Um, you couldn't say that before in years prior. <laughs> so, like at all, it was just a as a non-starter. If anything were to happen to Herbert, then the charge is completely screwed. And I'm not saying that he could go out there and win you multiple games, but um, he looks more than competent now. And I would imagine that it probably has a lot to do with the change in the scheme. He, it looks like an offense that he's run for years. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, going through what he did previously with the changes in regime and offensive coordinators doesn't seem like he ever got very, very comfortable with the uh, passing game. This one fits him like you know, hand in a glove. So, uh, really happy for Easton. I know we give him some um, some flag, but it's, it's what we do with all the players, man. If you suck, we're going to make fun <laughs> of you. If you're great, then we're going to pat you on the back and give you compliments for it, man. We're fair and balanced yeah. around here. So uh, <laughs> good on Easton, and hopefully it carries through the rest of the preseason. Yeah, I mean, he's he has earned it. Yeah, there's no... And that's why, yeah, there's no pandering here. We're not going to we're not gonna talk up Easton Stick if he's not good. And he was great today. So... Yeah, I, and that's a good point. I mean, really, if something were to ever happen to Justin Herbert, you know, he, like heading into halftime, and you've got a two-minute drill, you, I'm not, I'm not mad at having Easton Stick go in there and try to run a two-minute drill against an NFL defense. He just, I mean, he looked great today. I, I, two throws that were particularly good that we, I have, we haven't mentioned was two crossing routes he had. One was with Donald Parham, and the other was on um, uh, Keelan Doss. Mm. Uh, I think it was back to back too. great throws, uh, good routes. And we, I mean, we got to see some of these wide receivers. We got to see Keelan Doss today. Yeah. We got to see Parham. We got to see QJ. We got to see Darius Davis. I mean, we got to actually see these wide receivers catch, run, run routes. Uh, we haven't been able to see that. And I gotta, I gotta admit that the very first throw he made after the, um, the two-yard loss to QJ, his next throw was to, I think it was Joshua Kelly out of the backfield, and he threw it behind his head. Kelly hadn't even broken out of his route yet, and I went, oh, God, this is going to be a long game. Mm -hmm. Like immediately I went, oh, here we go with stick again. And then he broke out of it, and he was a totally different player today. So, yeah, I would say there's there was a lot uh, of growth there and uh, a very, very good uh, game one for Easton Stick. You know, I was wondering, maybe – there's a level of involvement that didn't exist previously because Kellen Clemens was the de facto QB two, and uh -huh. maybe the additional reps now that he's definitely um, entrenched as your QB two has helped him. Uh, that could be it. I don't know. I could be reaching there, but uh, he just, again, like I say, just, I've never seen him look that confident ever. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. No, he looked quite honestly, it felt like a throwback to his North Dakota state days. I mean, watching his college tape and the way he was slinging it today, it felt like his old college days because yeah. he was a nervous wreck for the first couple of years here. Um, all right. So uh, let's talk. I know you want to talk about running backs. Let's talk about running backs because there's a lot of guys we could talk about today. Well, you know what kind of intertwining there? Because we have to give respect where it's due. The offensive line held up really well. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that's probably and we're leading into running backs, but yeah. I mean, just overall, the guys up front, they held it down tonight in the run and the passing game. Mm -hmm. uh, you knew what the names were that came out of the inactives. And I'm sure that when you saw that list, the same way that I did, I was like, OK, yeah, this is going to be hell in the handbasket. We're <laughs> going to have somebody going out on a stretcher tonight at some point. And no, <laughs> they they performed more than admirably. Mm -hmm. um, Easton Stick had clean pockets all night. 
And um, in the rare occasion where he did have to roll out, mm -hmm. guys were still holding their blocks, giving him time to find things on the outside and make plays in that way also. Now, kind of pushing that forward into the running game. Yeah. Uh, Joshua Kelly, what? Is over 50 yards rushing before, was it before the half or just after half? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, between he and Isaiah Spiller, uh, the team was doing a really good job at blending in outside, inside zone and some power. So you saw a little bit of flexibility with the offense, which was really good to see in the run game because there were there were really literally holes opening up that mm -hmm. we're not accustomed to seeing, especially on the inside. Um, so you had some movement guys creating the surge off of the line of scrimmage, pushing guys back. Um, Kelly's a one cut and go guy. So if he saw a hole, he was hitting it. If he was able to, you know, bounce it to the outside, he'd do that. I still want to see him switch the ball to the outside arm when he does that. It freaks me out every time because yep. if he runs to the left, the ball stays in his right arm. It's a pet peeve of mine, but maybe he's not comfortable doing it. Whatever keeps you from fumbling the ball, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Spiller yeah. is you got to see it tonight. It's the thing that I've been lauding about him the most. He's very patient. He's got excellent footwork. And he may not be the fastest running back, but he has a great burst. And on that 71-yarder that got called back, called he back, was plenty yeah. hell enough fast to me. So um, you saw him in the passing game out of the backfield as a receiver make a couple grabs. All of the running backs performed very well. Well, there's uh -huh. one. That, Except one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the shining star here outside of the two and three guys or two A and two B mm -hmm. is our guy. Yep. Elijah Dotson. And what you saw tonight was exactly what I've been mentioning about his play style. It reminds me a lot of Eckler, except I think he might actually be faster than Eckler. And now you're looking at a scenario where the Chargers are going to have to make a decision. I don't think they're going to keep for running backs, mm -hmm. but you have to figure out a way not to lose that dude. If you can find a way to get him to your practice squad and let's say Eckler walks after this season, I was saying it in previous shows. It looks like they're kind of grooming guys to replace specific guys that they already have on the roster that they may not be able to put on pay. And Dotson could fit right into that Eckler role. I mean, we have to see what he looks like as a receiver, but um, you also still have Spiller that's going to be around that has receiving chops. And if Kelly walks because this is his last year, then you still have a really good one, a potentially really good one-two punch. But overall, the running game was great tonight. You got an undrafted, free agent rookie who rushed for almost a hundred yards on less than mm -hmm. 10 carries. Um, both your two, a two B guys looked really good. And again, if your running game can create that type of push on the interior, which I think is going to be where they're strongest in their offensive line this season, there's a lot you're going to be able to do off of the running game. Um, the passing game is going to be that much better for it. And Justin Herbert's job is going to be that much easier. Yeah, yeah. When uh, breaking down UDFAs, it was pretty clear that Elijah Dotson had some juice, especially when you can get him on the outside. Um, I had mentioned it when at camp. It just felt like Dotson is in a whole nother gear. I mean, Kelly, and then you see uh, Spiller, and then Dotson. I mean, he's running what feels like stride for stride with these guys. I mean, he looked like he could be running right next to Eckler the entire time. And then you get a guy like Roundtree and everybody behind him, Hoosman and all that. And uh, you can tell that they're UDFAs. But um, yeah, Dotson was amazing. Six carries, 92 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, that's over 15 yards per carry. He made the most of his opportunities. I, I mean, even if he doesn't make a ton of noise for the rest of these two games, this is a guy that you want to keep. You want to be able to sneak on your practice squad somehow. Um, if that's initially keeping him in the 53 and then cutting him later on the second wave while teams are starting to set their roster in motion, that's a possibility. But uh, Dotson made a strong case for himself for keeping four running backs. And I don't think they do it, but I think he's starting to make the case. And quite honestly, it's pretty clear that he jumped Larry Roundtree today. I know Larry Roundtree got the snaps, but five carries on nine yards. I mean, that's, that's the Larry Roundtree special, man. I, I mean, we've seen enough. Um, he was obviously a lower end uh, draft pick. Um, I think it, they're going to end up cutting bait with him anyways. I mean, they did last year, but then they kept him on the practice squad and then he worked his way up with injuries. But 
this is, uh, you know, this is, if he makes a practice squad, fine. But uh, right now, Elijah Dotson is awesome. And he played great today. And he has definitely jumped Larry Roundtree on the um, depth chart. Uh, Joshua Kelly and uh, uh, Spiller, I almost said CJ Spiller, Isaiah Spiller, which is going to happen uh, yeah, more. That's not absolutely. the first time that's going to happen. Um, but uh, they both look good today. Um, and just for the offensive line, you were talking about the interior. I mean, today it proved that Zion and Salier were starters. I mean, they they were so much better than the guys they were going against. They were opening up so many holes. They were great today. They looked great. And quite honestly, so did Will Clapp. I'll give him a shout out. Uh, not uh, privy to do that very often, but the interior of this offensive line worked really, really good. Um, I thought Austin Pleasants had a really bad game today. Um, he was up and down, but the interior, um, even McFadden looked really good today. I thought the interior looked pretty good. Um, they ended up carrying the ball like 14 times in a row or something at one point, or like it was like 14 carries for 81 yards from those two guys in um, Spiller and Kelly. It was uh, not, not for, it was, uh, they carried seven times in a row for 49 yards. Mm -hmm. There's just a point where they were just like, let the road graders grade and they just let them like wear down that defensive line and drive down the field that ended in a, a field goal, but they could get whatever they wanted on the ground today. Um, they, uh, Joshua Kelly ran for over six yards per carry. Uh, Spiller was over five. Elijah Dotson, 15.3. I mean, they just, they gashed them on the ground today. So shout out to the running backs today. Uh, not named Larry Roundtree. Shout out <laughs> to the offensive line. Um, they were they were all very good today. And I'm glad to see Salier and Zion just run on people and yeah. just grind yeah. them down. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. A lot of um, the reason why I think they leaned so heavily on the running game was because one thing that I will say, you know, you have to critique here is the receivers weren't getting a ton of separation in the passing game. And when they saw that that wasn't something they were going to be able to consistently lean on, they just switched gears and went to the run, which, hello, <laughs> is a breath of fresh air. So it's not a situation where you have an offensive coordinator who's just going to continuously bang his head against the wall and doing things that doesn't work. He's going to switch gears. And, hey, if we can lean on the run and make that work, then it's going to open up our passing game. It's just not rocket science. It's simple football. And, um, you know, any half a brain offensive coordinator should be able to figure that out. But it's just nice to have someone who gets it. Yeah. Yeah. The offense looked like a whole different unit today. I will say, though, um, since we're on that, and I think we're pretty much like starting to wrap up our uh, – Offense, we kind of just started with offense. We can go to defense and special teams and all that. But um, we got to talk about Max Duggan uh, in the second half. Easton Stick was impressive. Max Duggan, I mean, his entire um, – did Zion not play today? Was I wrong on that? Sorry. I mean, I'm Zion. pretty sure Zion did play. <laughs> Am I wrong? I thought Zion and Salyer played today. Mm. Uh, anyway. Um, correct me in the chat, but cause I pretty sure in the first couple of drives, I saw Zion and Salier, but if I'm wrong on that, let me know. Whoever was on the interior was very good today. Um, or I, I'm almost positive Salier played today. I Zion did play today. Yeah. They both played. I, I, I know you. for sure. I know for sure Zion played and I was pretty sure that I saw Salier. Well, Salier actually got a penalty. So I know that he did. I, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. They did play today. Okay. All right. Just making sure. Um, just wanted to fact check that, uh, just in case I was wrong. Oh, Max Duggan, basically his whole entire highlights today was his run. I mean, he ran for like 20 yards or something, but he was 
two for three for 19 yards. Um, he was just, I mean, he wasn't good. He wasn't good today. And I, I don't, there was, we saw it in camp. I mean, he was doing nothing but checking everything down. Uh, he wouldn't throw anything over seven to 10 yards. And we kind of saw a little bit of that today and he played, he was playing scared. Um, it looked like he just wanted to run the entire time. It was, uh, not a great first. Well, it was, it was bad. It was a bad first game for uh, Max Duggan. Easton stick impressive Max Duggan on the other side of the spectrum here. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I consider him to be basically the sacrifice for the evening. Everyone else was able to play successfully for the most part. Many people were able to be successful and it kind of came at his expense. I guess he looked sort of like a crash dummy. Mm. Um, I'm not going to say the offensive pass protection seemed to break down when he got into the game. There were some instances where the protection wasn't the greatest, but then there were just some where he was holding the ball too long and you could tell he got rattled at one point. Um, I can't remember what down this was, but he, he almost skipped a pass that looked like, I, I don't look like it may have been a stick route or maybe it was an, uh, an in route or something. It may have been like 10 to 12 yards somewhere around there. He just skipped the ball off of the turf. And at that point I'm like, yeah, this dude's confidence is completely shot if he had any at all to that point. So we all know what to expect from Duggan right now. We knew what he was coming in. Um, and hopefully he can develop, you know, as a number three quarterback and we never have to see him take the field for any meaningful snaps. But right now, I think they just kind of looked at the intangibles. Also the fact that he can run the ball. So he's got, you know, some athletic prowess there, but as far as who he is as a passer and being able to read an offense and be that type of guy to go through progressions, he's not at that point yet. So we're probably going to see him struggle a bunch more before we see any improvement. And he may be semi on that Easton stick trajectory a <laughs> little, which I mean, you know, I guess we've seen stick, maybe possibly look as bad in the past. Maybe. I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. recall. But uh yeah, Max had a rough one tonight, but chin up kid, just one game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it felt like he got hit and then he was just never the same after that. He just he he could never he couldn't bounce back. And there was he everything was sped up. You could just tell. He had that kind of happy feet in the pocket. He was rattled he was kind of like looking around his eyes were frantic his feet were frantic um he wasn't calm he wasn't like really going through his reads uh, it felt like he just wanted to run the entire time yeah it really that's, did. His, that's his default um, yeah one read yeah. if it's not there take off and that may have worked at tcu but i mean it's it's <laughs> one read the reason not there take off or just launch it deep and qj's down there somewhere that's kind of like his TCU claim to fame, but um, yeah, it's the NFL now, my man. You have to put in some work and uh, take your lumps, and hopefully you'll be better for it at some point. But yeah. I'm not interested in really seeing that anytime soon. <laughs> well, he's going to get extended minutes very soon. Yeah, he's going to have to. Oh well, I mean, just in actual meaningful games. Oh, meaningful not, football. No, okay, okay, okay. No, whatever in preseason. I was pretty much resigned to when he got in there in the third and fourth quarter. It was just going to be like going to be horrible and yeah. i was just holding on to the first three quarters of the game when he got in if he did anything positive at all then it was just the cherry on top but i mean dotson came in there and pretty much played cleanup for him so that i was just gonna say that yeah he should really thank doug or thank doug he should thank elijah dotson because it, those two long <laughs> touchdown runs were two less series that he had to throw the ball and uh he was able to score 14 points his offense quote unquote Scored 14 points in that second half. Um, he didn't do anything to do that, but yeah, uh, it was he was not good today, and he looked like a kid that was should have been a UDFA and a kid that man, um, kind of on the early Easton stick trajectory for sure. Yeah, um, um, he owes Dotson dinner at least one. <laughs> at least, yeah, totally. Um, all right, man, let's uh, let's move over to uh, defense. Who was uh, who was a big standout for you? Defense. So. Uh, Chris Rumpf. Yeah, man. Chris Rumpf stepped up as, as a pass rusher. Like, I mean, I have to go back and see how he performed, uh, as far as setting the edge as a run defender, but where he stood out was like, he had a sack, he had at least one pressure and he, that first up looked pretty good. I've always felt like he was a marginal athlete. Like he's decent, but he's not ultra quick off of the ball. But tonight, I mean, 
Oh, he kicked it in the high gear a few times. And I was just happy to see him be someone that can rotate in there as a situational pass rusher. And maybe moving forward, he's someone who can create some uh, additional pressure on the outside that you feel like being a part of that. Well, it'll be a four man rotation with Thule, who also, you know, flashed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, speaking to everyone on the edge. Oh, and Andrew Farmer also. And I know Jamie's going to love that yeah. because that was his UDFA. Uh, Farmer looks like he might be something with some time, some development. But overall, those guys on the edges, all of them collectively played the boot action perfect all night. They didn't let, um, what's his face, the dude that's older than Herbert? Justin Bennett. Bennett, yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't let Bennett get outside on the boot action almost at all tonight. Mm-hmm. And that's something that they studied. Everyone stayed home and they played technique sound football. And I give props to all of the guys on the edge for that because Stetson Bennett's not a pocket QB. He's a guy that needs to get out and run and create um, almost like we thought Easton stick was until tonight. And they just did a tremendous job at killing drives all together by just shutting down that boot action because they ran it a bunch and he was on the run running backwards tossing balls out of bounds um i believe he even got a grounding call once because of it so i mean just outside of Thule flashing again um rumpf a uh, farmer those are the three guys primarily on the edge Jared Clark, my guy, was in there creating some havoc on the interior, taking mm-hmm. on some double teams. He had a couple good uh, run stuffs, and he also got a fumble recovery stolen from him. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was, he looked pretty agile on that too, man. Like when he yeah. saw that ball, he was – I mean, talking about a guy who's a former tight end, right? So yeah. he can move. And just overall, uh, the interior defensive line in the edge, even Scott Matlock, creating some interior pressure, um, shutting down um, a drive. The interior defensive line and the edge looked pretty good tonight. Yeah, yeah. D-line was impressive. Those, uh, yeah, Chris Rumpf, uh, by far the biggest standout in my mind of these edge edge guys. Um, Big sack on a third down, get them to punt. He had a really big QB hit on a third down. I mean, they just basically were like, pin your ears back, kid, on third down and just get after the quarterback. And he did. Each time he was really good uh, getting the sack. Andrew Farmer uh, staying home on that bootleg uh, to get that really, really big loss, which uh, of course the Rams converted later, which is whatever. But um, Carlo Kemp had a pretty good game today. Ty Shelby uh, both have QB hits. Um, I know CJ Okoye, mm-hmm. I think was his name, yep. had a sack today. Blake Lynch had a sack. I mean, there was a lot of guys who got to the quarterback. There were 10 QB hits today. I mean, they were in the Rams QB's faces today. So shout out to the interior defensive line and the um, and the edge rushers, even like Ogbong Amiga, who got, uh, I think, two QB hits today. They really sent him after the quarterback today. Um, yeah, there was a lot of guys who were able to get after the quarterback. And uh, Chris Rumpf, though, uh, definitely the standout on defense. Yeah, for sure. Um, and – the, the defense overall also did a really good job at not giving up very many big plays and keeping the lid on the top of, of the defense. So no real deep passes given up. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is all a big deal to me because this is not something that we're used to from backups. Like, you know oh. what you're getting from your starters. But typically, if you had to watch a full game of Chargers second, third, and fourth team guys, then that meant you were going to have a really long night, and eventually <laughs> it would almost become unwatchable. But at no point was that the case tonight. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, uh, you know, got to talk about JT Woods. Yeah. Uh, well, talk, talk to me about JT Woods because I think I missed something. I Tell tell me what happened on that play where he got the unsportsmanlike conduct because all I remember seeing is him – like tapping him on uh, the dude on the head and then all of a sudden the flag caught, uh, thrown. Did I, I missed something. Okay. So basically it's going to be the end of a drive and they're going to get three points. If, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. if they make the field goal, whatever. So the problem here is, is that they play really good defense. He's John with Skoranek. I think the receiver's name was, mm-hmm. And they're going back and forth. And as long as he keeps it at that, then it's fine. But then he just reaches up and, was it the most egregious thing in the world? No, 
But if you got the ref there and he sees you jawing and you uh-huh. just decide you're going to slap the guy upside the helmet, then, yeah, they're probably going to throw a flag, even if it's not the worst thing you could have possibly done in that situation. It was just boneheaded and un- unnecessary. Like I said it wasn't something that was like, oh, man, come on. Seriously, like you really going to throw a flag on that? I completely yeah. understood understood why the refs threw the flag. They were just jawing at each other. And that's what he could have left it at. But he had mm-hmm. to take it a step further. And to be honest with you. I don't even feel like that's that guy's personality. Like you've seen, he like to he's like a sweetheart. You ever yeah, listen yeah, to him yeah. talk? It feels like in order for that to have happened, I don't know. He maybe said maybe Skoranek said something out of pocket to him, and it pushed him too far. Who knows? Yeah. But in a scenario like that, man, you just got to keep your wits about you. You have to put your team first, and you cost them seven points as opposed to three. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, it wasn't an actual game. Um, and it didn't cost you anything. Team wasn't hurt for it. But just as a practice, you know, making wise decisions on a football field, being a good teammate, that's not something you want to do. Yeah. I, so I guess there was some taunting and stuff that I, so I, I again, I, I missed something and obviously he did enough because I, I was, it felt soft to me because it, it felt like he was tapping him on the head, like almost like a, Hey, Nice try, type of thing that guys oh, do. No. Plays. She slapped him. But, okay, all right. So then I miss, I missed all that because it felt soft to me. But um, so for a guy who struck, couldn't get on the field uh, his first year, even through injuries, struggled all through camp. Um, everybody's questioning, you know, his draft status and being picked so high when uh, nobody thought he should. A guy who should be the free safety right now. They basically were ready to throw this role at him. Nasir Adderley was going to walk in free agency. They were drafting JT Woods to be the replacement. He had such a bad first year or a slow developing first year that he can't make, he doesn't make the field and Aloha Gilman's now the free safety. To get on the field now in your second year when you have to start proving your worth and he's struggling in camp already again uh, this season. He may he has made some plays more than last year, but still, still struggling. And then to do something like that, I mean, he's just digging himself a deeper hole. And obviously, what he he should have done, what he did. But I mean, I just I don't. The kid's got to be smarter about it, regardless. I mean, I, even if it was say it was soft and he didn't slap him upside the head, but he did. But let's say he didn't. You gotta you gotta stay away from that stuff in general, man. Yeah. You gotta be able to earn your keep now because right now you're deep in the depth chart. You're you they want to get you on the field, but if he's gonna cost teams points because he's gonna be dumb, well, it's gonna be harder for him to see the field. You just have to understand the situation in general, right? Outside of the fact that you're under a microscope for not performing well to this point, uh just where you are on that point of the field, what that means for momentum, you just have to understand all of that. And if you look at that sequence after that, he actually got a free Uber ride into the end zone on a run by who I can't remember the Rams running back's name, but he got saved by a holding penalty, ironically enough, by Skoranek, the guy he smacked upside the head. Right. right. So, you know, he almost got bailed out. Unfortunately, there was a touchdown that was scored there, which I want to see that Is it Rivers. Ronnie Rivers? Ronnie Rivers, yeah. Ronnie yeah, Rivers yeah. just carried him into the end zone. Oh, are you so, talking about that Puka touchdown? Yeah, so that touchdown I want to see from the pylon angle because – That was right before the goal line. I can't believe they checked that. But they never the showed live. They never showed yeah. the angle, the, the pylon angle. It was only from the front, so there's no way you could actually tell. But, you know, whatever. At the end of the day, it didn't end up mattering. But like yeah. I said before, just for Woods in general, man, teams invested a lot in you. Uh, you're being highly scrutinized already from what I can tell throughout the night. I mean, I didn't hear his name call for anything negatively outside of that. It seems like he played. Okay. I'll go back and rewatch it maybe tomorrow and uh, just focus a little bit more on him, but do just keep stacking good days. What happened tonight is not something that you can have on, you know, your resume because right now you don't have a resume. Yeah. 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 So uh, speaking of uh, plays that were kind of making you scratch your head, man, what about Dean Leonard and Jasir Taylor uh, dropping those what probably would have been pick sixes? I mean, get those dudes on a jug machine like after game. And with the Chargers, 
it never fails. In scenarios like that, when they miss turnover opportunities, they almost always turn into points. Yeah. It almost always happens. And Taylor actually could have redeemed himself for the penalty that he had on the plate just before that. Um, it wasn't the easiest interception. Like he had to extend, he had to jump for it, but still, you could have come down with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the play that Dean Leonard broke on, he it was perfect. He saw it. He he read the QB's eyes, broke on it perfectly, and just went through his hands. Uh, yeah. Overall, I'll give Dean credit though. He played a pretty good game. Um, yeah, yeah. Only yeah. other thing that I saw him do was uh, there was an open field tackle that I wasn't a fan of the way that he broke down for it. He wasn't aggressive. He just kind of stopped his feet and let the receiver get around him as opposed to uh, just attacking him. Uh, he just kind of waited and was way too reactive. But in coverage, I saw him in phase, get his head around and look for the ball almost every single time when he was targeted, which is a huge thing for him because, you know, that was kind of, you know, one of our pet peeves in regards to him and one of the reasons why he was virtually unplayable outside. And if they've got that fixed, he might be the fastest defensive back on the team and he can play sticky coverage. If they've got that fixed then they may have something in Dean Leonard. Um, Just see Taylor looks like a guy who, uh, probably shouldn't be starting. And it's not like, not that he played horribly, but when you're looking at how Asante Samuel Jr. is performing in camp and you're comparing that to what you're seeing from Taylor and what you saw tonight, mm-hmm. I'm really happy that ASJ has stepped up because yeah. I don't think I would necessarily want Taylor in the starting star role. Yeah, yeah. He was up and down today. He was the one who had the uh, touchdown caught on him by Puka. He was mm-hmm. in coverage there. Um, yeah, he was, he was up and down today and, uh, but yeah, Dean, I think, uh, had a pretty nice game overall. I, you'd like to see him come down with that interception and yeah. th- there was a couple drop balls today that, uh, should have been caught, but, um, I want to give shout out to, uh, Dion Henley who, uh, kind of stripped out a catch and forced a field goal. That was a pretty good, uh, play and pretty active today. Yeah. And, um, we saw our boy AJ Finley make a pretty nice special teams tackle uh, towards the end of the game, and I'm just trying to think of any other uh, any other guy. Cam Brown, I think, had a pretty good game, and I saw Taiwan Mullen getting a lot of action today. Yeah, yeah, Mullen had a pretty decent game as well. And with regard to Henley, um, he had a special teams tackle also, and I think the player you're talking about. It was a pass that he broke up. He tipped it over the middle, and yeah, he forced. It. I don't know if it was a three and out on that drive or not, but so there was, was that. There was that yeah. which I didn't mention, but the one right towards the end of the game where the ball, where the receiver was uh, caught the ball, and then Henley came in and uh, knocked it down, and then they kicked the field goal. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. So, um, so yeah, and then also uh, bef- before we uh, get out of here, uh, shout out to. Cameron Dicker with a really nice 50 yarder today. I I was a little scared on that because uh he was he's kind of been iffy on those uh deeper field goals in camp but uh when I've been there but he nailed it. Yep, that's the question, right? Like can he be consistent beyond 50 yards because pretty much everything inside of that he's virtually automatic uh or has been last season almost perfect as long as it wasn't from beyond 50. (laughs) And if he's figured that out, then, I mean, I think we all know the job's his, but you feel a lot better about it, seeing him go out there and perform. And, I mean, you won't have to have your butt puckered any time that a a, kick has to go beyond 50 yards. It'd be nice to have a guy that you feel can consistently make those. And it's not a scenario where if it's that far out, you know it's probably going to get pulled left or right. But, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Special teams in general, the third phase of the game has mm-hmm. become a point of emphasis for the Chargers. It was something that was such a short um sore spot for years, and you've got potentially a competent kicker and what looks like a guy who's playing in the matrix as a returner. Mm-hmm. Uh who know who knew it would happen, like not me. Uh, yeah, it. <laughs> man. Uh it again, it looked like Darius Davis was toying with the uh defense when he caught that ball and took it to the house it was he was playing with his food i'm gonna go back and rewatch that over like a few times just because of the way that it was the patience that was so impressive it's like yeah you did this in college but this is the nfl and it didn't matter to him he approached it the exact same way i feel like there was a i can't remember right now i watched so much of him i can't remember when we went back after the draft 
Um, I watched so much of him. I can't remember what game it was, but he had a return that was almost identical to this. He basically manipulated the block in the exact same way. He caught the ball. He allowed it to set up in front of him. He takes like one false step to the inside, makes a guy miss. And then he just weaves through this crowd, comes out on the other end. And there's one guy to make um, one guy to get beyond and he just turns it on. And you can just see how he does it with such ease. It's like there are guys that you put back there, returner, because they're fast. There's mm-hmm. some guys you put back there because they're agile and they can make guys miss in open space. But he's a natural return man. Um, he's meant to play in space, which is why I'm really excited about the charges and their ability to get him the ball offensively. And him to make plays here and there that way. I don't expect him to get a ton of run offensively this year, but if they can find a way to get him the ball in space and let him create for himself, um, let him be a returner on offense, get the ball to him on smoke screens, on jet sweeps, things like that, where he can get a running start. If you can give him some space to operate in, he's got returner vision, and that's a wonderful thing to have as a ball carrier. So uh, really amped about him. I was before. Tonight only solidified that for me. Yep. All right. Well, before we get out of here, Craig, Lane gives us a question here, which I think is a good one to end on. Who was the greatest standout today? So if you're giving a game ball out, who are you giving it to? I could go Darius Davis because that's easy, but I'm going Easton Stick. Okay. Good one. Uh, Easton Stick's a good one. Uh, Excellent first half. Uh, You can give it to Darius Davis. Give it to Easton Stick. I'm giving mine to Elijah Dotson. Six carries, 92 yards, two touchdowns for a UDFA coming in and making the most of his opportunities. I'm giving it to Elijah Dotson. I think defensively, I think there were some good plays. I think Rumpf was very impressive. There were some flashes from a bunch of guys. Nobody that I think really made the biggest impact like Easton Sick did today, like Darius Davis did today. But to me, Elijah Dotson really making a case for maybe even keeping an extra running back after his performance today. If he puts in another performance like that together again, uh, we're, I think we're talking about keeping four one uh, running backs after this. Um, again, when I'm talking about <laughs> the chargers and them looking forward uh, to what they could have on the roster going into next year, you know, they're going to have to do some cap gymnastic stuff and some guys may not be back. You're looking at Elijah Dotson, and if he can continue on this pace, um, even if he doesn't have nights just like tonight, but if he performs and flashes throughout the rest of the preseason and shows that he can even be a, a good you know, a receiver out of the backfield, then I, like I said before, you may be perfectly fine with letting um, Austin Eckler walk and then um, letting Joshua Kelly walk and having that one-two and then maybe looking for another undrafted guy as your third running back you can save a few bucks that way. So yeah, Dotson, someone to definitely keep an eye on. Yep. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for tuning in to after hours, keeping these numbers up through this whole entire show. Uh, if you guys missed the announcement, it was earlier and you know what? I'll just play it again on our way out. Um, thanks again for uh, tuning in. We appreciate all you guys. Uh, this has been a fun little preseason game. I don't know the last time it's been as fun as it was today because there was some, uh, looks like some pretty good depth in this Chargers roster. So uh, we will see. uh, Thanks for tuning in and we will see you next time. Salute and roll that beautiful bean footage. This is the lightning round podcast schedule release for the upcoming 2023 season. Score more is back. I'm coming at you every Tuesday. I'm going to be covering what happened in the NFL the week prior, including the Chargers matchup, and a whole lot more on top of that. I'll see you on Tuesday, score morons. Join me and a special guest every Wednesday as we break down the schemes, players, and the coaches the Chargers will be facing that week. I'll see you right here every Wednesday for the walkthrough. Garrett, Craig, and I will get together every Thursday for the TLR Roundtable. We'll answer all your questions from the week, football or otherwise. Everything is on the table. And we'll have a brand new feature covering all the bad tweets from the week. Join us live every Thursday for TLR Roundtable. Every Friday, join me where I'll be dropping my personal thoughts, feelings, and opinions on any and everything LA Chargers. So you'll get some speculation, a bit of conjecture, dry humor, naturally, and a sprinkle of petty for flavor. Tap in. 
See you then. Join Craig, Jamie, and I live for After Hours immediately following every Chargers game. You know the drill. Grab your favorite drink, find a safe space, and join us for a raw, unfiltered, emotional take on every game. And whether you need to laugh, cheer, cry, just clear your head. After Hours has a little something for everyone, so be sure to join us right here after every game this year.